Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out a community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let Him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. That is, uh, that is exciting. Uh, if, you, uh, if you don't know, uh, we have always said that we want, to, uh, we want to be a church that cares about here and there. And so we care about Hilliard, we care about Movement Church, but we care about what God is doing uh, in our midst and other places. And so we're excited for the Taylors, we're excited uh, for Bright City Church to begin uh, to take form. And, and uh, if, if you know someone uh, that lives up that way, uh, Sunbury Galena, Delaware County, uh, we, we'd love for you to uh, connect with them. Uh, and we'd love for you to just follow that journey, as they mentioned, on social media and some of those other formats. So if you have your phone out, I'll assume you're doing that and you're following them on Instagram and that's okay. All right. So uh, if I see you doing something else, we're going to have a problem. All right. No, I'm just joking. But uh, we're excited, excited for them and excited for what God is doing. Uh, it is, uh, it's week four uh, in our series uh, called Bless. We've been uh, talking about uh, this, this tension that we feel as people who have been changed by Jesus, people who have life in Jesus. We want, to, uh, we want others to experience that life. We want to pass it on, but sometimes that feels uh, so foreign and, and kind of feels forced. And so we've been talking about what's a way that we can share our faith uh, in a natural way, in an authentic way. And we've settled on this uh, acronym of, uh, of bless. And, and so we'll put these letters up here so you can see them, but it's just this, it's begin with prayer. Uh, we need to, we need to pray, uh, that God would give us opportunities that he would move in people's hearts. Uh, we want to be people who listen as we saw in the life of Jesus. We want to be people who eat. And I know you were here for that last week. That was exciting. Amen. Right. We get to, uh, we get to share life with people and, and we get to share meals with people. Uh, and, and, and really hear their story. We want to be, uh, people who, who also get to serve. And so we want to, we want to talk about what it means to serve the world around us today. In fact, I want to share this quote that we've shared a couple of weeks. It says this, we draw people to Christ, not by loudly discrediting what they believe, not by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all their hearts to know the source of it. And so this morning, we want to talk about radical hospitality. We want to talk about what it looks like to serve people so that we can bless them and share our faith in a very natural way. So if you've got a Bible, you can uh, open up uh, your Bible. Turn to John 13. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one uh, under your chair, behind you, uh, somewhere there in the row around you. There, we're going to be in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. On page 591, and uh, as you're turning to page 591, John 13, uh, let me let me give you some background to this passage that we're going to look at today, just so we can know uh, exactly what we're looking at. This passage takes place in some of the final hours of the earthly life and ministry of Jesus, and Jesus is celebrating the Passover meal with his disciples. Now, this specific Passover that we're going to see him celebrate is kind of what's come to be known uh, as the Last Supper because it's the end of his earthly life and ministry. And and just to review, uh, the Passover 
is a meal that celebrates the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, being freed from slavery to the Egyptians. Uh, a man named Moses was God's messenger and was tasked to uh, go to the Egyptian Pharaoh. And so God sent nine plagues to uh, get the Pharaoh's attention, to get Egypt's attention and call out Israel. But no matter what happened through those plagues, if you know that story, uh, the Pharaoh would not let the Israelites go because their culture was built on them and dependent on them. And so uh, God sent one final plague in the story of Israel. And that final plague was known as the angel of death. And here's what the angel of death uh, was. When the angel of death uh, passed over a house in the night, the firstborn of every family would die. And so that was the plan. That was what was going to happen. But God gave a way out for Israel. And so they were celebrating a festival. They were celebrating and they were going to be uh, eating, celebrating with the, the meat from, from a lamb. And so God asked them to take the lamb's blood and spread that over their doorpost. And uh, that is what would save their family. As they would spread the blood of a lamb on their doorpost, the angel of death would pass over, thus the name Passover, all right? So the, the blood of the lamb was the reason that death and punishment and what was coming to each family would pass over. That's how those families would escape the wrath of what God was going to do. And obviously, you, you probably are connecting the dots that there's some imagery of what happens in the Old Testament, what happens in the New Testament, and God's story throughout history. See, in the Old Testament, the blood of a lamb saved God's people. And in the New Testament, the blood of a lamb that we know as Jesus saved God's people. All right, so let's jump in here. Uh, John 13, verses 1 through 17, page 591. This is uh, this passage that we want to look at today as we talk about serving. It says this. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave the world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during the ministry, his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. Let me pause there for a second and, and just say this, that uh, Jesus is celebrating this meal uh, as all Jews would have done at this time. And, and we can kind of get the behind the scenes glimpse there. Uh, Jesus knows that God's plan has been moving in this direction. And everything that God has set in motion throughout history is coming to this moment. Those things were in front of him. They were obvious to him. And he was seeing the pieces come together. And yet this verse tells us that on the very edge of his last sufferings, on the very edge of something that that most of us would have been super absorbed in, Jesus wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about his love and his care for you and I. Verse four says this. So he got up from the table, took off his robe and wrapped a towel around his waist. Verse five, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. In the the coming days, the days right after this, Jesus was going to be giving the, the final reinforcement or the final message for his life and his way of life. And so as some of that final imagery, Jesus chose in this moment to serve others. Now, in these days in Palestine, as we would know it, in this part of the world, uh, people would have wore sandals just about everywhere they went. They would have walked on super dusty, dirty roads. And it was pretty customary when you would enter someone's house, 
that you would, uh, you would usually have your, your feet washed. Now, usually that would be done uh, by a servant of the household, or if someone didn't have servants, maybe it would have been done uh, by the owner's wife. And I don't say this to uh, be scandalous, but this act was kind of reserved for the person who had the lowest rank in the house. That's how this act was viewed, and that's what people would have seen. If you were the lowest ranking person or someone in the ecosystem that wasn't thought of, you were the person who would wash feet and would care for others. And you would normally wash your feet when you entered a home. That was pretty standard then, but specifically leading up to a meal, you would definitely wash your feet and you would wash your feet leading up to a ceremonial meal because they were going to recline around the table. And if you don't know what I mean, you'd be laying on your side. And so your feet were going to be right next to your friend's face, right? And so you definitely want to wash your feet if you were getting ready to celebrate that. Now here's what's ironic. You would wash your feet and you would celebrate that. You would be a part of this ceremonial cleansing, but Jesus washing feet was not normal. Jesus washing feet was basically saying, listen, I'm the lowest guy in the room. I'm the person that needs to be serving others. And I don't know how to say this, but Jesus wasn't the lowest guy in the room. Jesus was the person that had been leading this group of people. Jesus was the one who'd been leading them and they were looking to him for, for truth. And not only that, but this meal that they were going to celebrate, as we already talked about Passover, this meal exists to celebrate the fact that they're no longer slaves and servants to Egypt. And so ironically, the first thing Jesus does to celebrate this meal that says, hey, we're not servants anymore is make himself a servant. So you can understand that what he's doing in this moment is standing out. In fact, the context leading up to these verses, his disciples had been arguing, hey, Jesus, who's the greatest amongst us? Can I, can I sit on your right? Can I sit on your left? And so now, rather than saying, hey, here's how you can be great. Here's how you can be a part of my tribe. He's saying, listen, I came to serve. And I'm the lowest person on the totem pole. And, and I'm the, the person who's, who's going to make sure that other people are loved and and cared for. So trust me when I say in this moment that what Jesus is doing stands out. Jesus begins washing feet, and I just picture him doing this quietly, and I picture the room kind of just growing quiet and and people looking at him kind of shocked, like, what are you doing? Verse 6 says this, When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Sometimes when we translate the Bible from other languages, we kind of miss the meaning in the way the sentences are structured or the the way that things don't translate perfectly. And my poor parents paid for me to take uh, three semesters of Greek. So let me see if I can honor their investment and translate this for you. It should sound like this. Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Thanks, mom and dad. Thanks for paying for those semesters, right? That's what we see in these verses, right? There's, there's emphasis. Every word is emphatic. This is, this is not just something like, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? This is, this is Peter looking and, and, and being a little bit angry, not really understanding what's going on. Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Because he doesn't understand what's happening. And it's kind of showing this rebellion in his heart. It's showing what's taking place. And he doesn't really like this incongruency that's in front of him. He can't tolerate this. And verse 7 tells us this. Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Jesus doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't say, stop talking. He just says, listen, you're going to understand this. This is going to come together. You're going to see what's happening. In verse 8, no, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Peter, 
always the introvert, right? Raising his voice and raising the stakes and questioning what he continues to see and what's coming together. He's saying, listen, you're greater than this lowly act. And so I'm not going to talk about this. I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to tolerate this. This is beneath you, Lord. Peter says, I don't understand this. And so I'm not going to submit to this. But what Peter couldn't submit to was that the master was going to serve the servant. What he wasn't seeing is that the whole life of Jesus, the whole saving life of Jesus was one continued series of serving, ending with the most self-sacrificing and transcendent act of service of all time, giving his life on the cross. In fact, Mark 10, 45 captures it this way and says, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. What we see in Peter in this moment is something that honestly you and I need to reconcile in our own lives. If Peter couldn't submit to let his master wash his feet, well, how could he let Jesus serve him in a much greater way with his life? See, it isn't just a problem that Peter had. You and I struggle with this also. I had a a mentor confront me one time and he said, you need to be better at receiving gifts. It's almost awkward when someone gives you a gift. That was really fun for him to tell me, right? In the the last year, I had some friends say, you know what we love to see? We love to see people compliment you, Mark. And then we love to see you squirm because no one's worse at receiving a compliment than you. Thanks, I think, right? We like to think that we're being noble when we reject gifts, or when we reject a compliment, when we don't let someone serve us. But the truth is, this is why my friends and my mentor talk to me, it has roots in pride. And we need to work at receiving gifts. Some of us struggle to receive gifts or or compliments because we have such a low view of ourselves. And you might not want to hear this. This can be difficult to understand, but at its core, that's selfishness. Because some of us don't think that we deserve compliments. Some of us don't think that we're worthy of love. Some of us don't think that we're worthy of the attention and sacrifice of Jesus. And this story gives a wonderful example of that. Some of us can get behind this concept of serving people, if we're in the mood, if we're ready to talk about it. But we can't let other people serve us. Because that triggers an emotion in us. It's tough to wash the feet of someone. Sometimes it's even tougher to let someone wash our feet and serve us. True humility is to receive a gift with reverence and thankfulness, accepting the grace that's being passed on to you. And this single act that we see in this passage that Jesus was doing was pointing to a much greater gift, a much greater act of service where he gave his life. And it goes against our natural inclination because we want to think that we don't need help and we don't think that anyone has to do anything for us. We like to think that we're in control, but this act of service would point to the act of service of Jesus giving his life when he paid the price for our sins. Verse 8 ends like this. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Simon's starting to connect the dots. He's starting to see pieces of what's happening here. And verse 10 tells us, Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for their feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. 
See, in these verses here, Jesus is switching back and forth from a few different words that we can use to translate wash or or clean. He's saying a version of this. He's saying, listen, if you've taken a bath, meaning a a thorough long-term cleansing, you just need this short-term cleansing where your, your feet need washed. You don't need a second bath. And Jesus is pointing to the fact that when we decide to follow him, When we surrender our lives to him, there's this long-term cleansing, a permanent cleansing that takes place and we're delivered from a polluted life and we're justified from the punishment of our sin. And this bath, this cleansing, this justification doesn't need to happen again and again and again. Jesus is saying that the only cleansing that we need is a daily short-term cleansing, a confession of sin, something that we should seek when we're burdened with our own failings and our own shortcomings, when we're burdened with this world and this life, we can go to him and say, Jesus, cleanse me from this day of life that I just lived. Jesus is pointing to the difference between a long-term cleansing and this short-term kind of ongoing maintenance cleansing. Verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, And you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. One of the unique things that we celebrate in our family of churches, the the Karis Fellowship of Churches, is that we celebrate a a full uh, three-part communion. It follows what Jesus did in this Last Supper with his disciples, and we Honestly, it's it's a beautiful picture. It's one of the reasons I'm excited to to have our new building so that we can celebrate this on Good Friday and other times. And maybe you've done it in a in a way in your movement group, but we always like to eat a meal together and and look forward to what Jesus is going to give us in eternity when we're with him in heaven. We celebrate the bread and the cup and we look back and remember what Jesus did on the cross. And we wash feet to celebrate the present ministry, this ongoing cleansing that Jesus gives us in relationship. And this language is very clear in this passage. Jesus asks us to do this, to guide our hearts and to echo his love and service. Verse 14, he said, listen, you should do this. You ought to do this. Verse 15, he says, I've given you an example. Do as I have done. Verse 17, he says, God will bless you for doing this. It's very clear in the life of Jesus in this specific passage that Jesus came to serve. It's very clear that Jesus came to serve. And not just that, but this is our big idea for this morning. As we look at this passage, we talk about this concept. Jesus invites us to serve. When we understand what Jesus did for us, when we understand what Jesus gave for us and how Jesus served us, We should be compelled, we should be invited to echo his life with our lives and our service. Maybe you've heard us say it this way, that served people, serve people. Serve people, serve people, and Jesus invites us to serve in his name. Well, I want to invite my friend Matt up for something that might feel a little uh, little unnatural or a little different 
I sent him a text this week and I said, Matt, do you trust me? And he said, I don't. And I said, okay, well, can I ask another question? I said, uh, do you mind if I uh, use you to, to volunteer on a Sunday? And I finally talked him into it eventually. So we, we celebrate this, this act of, of washing feet. We look at this act of washing feet. And we don't, we don't do this because it's natural. We don't do this because it's what we wake up thinking about. Man, I wish I could touch someone's feet today, right? We, we, don't, we don't wake up thinking like, oh, I wonder how bad that person's feet smell next to me, right? And yet Jesus modeled this. He called us to this. He asked us to do this because it was important. So the programming of this, the, the moment of this is, is probably not natural, but this is the example that our Lord and Savior gave us. And this is what he asked us to do. When we, when we see that act and we notice what's going on, it, it naturally goes against what we think should happen in a normal day. Most of us in our day are, are looking for things that are convenient. We're looking for things that are about us. We're looking for things that we actually enjoy or want to do. And I think one of the ways that we can know that we're being called to, to service, one of the ways that we can know when we're serving others is when it doesn't feel natural, when it doesn't feel convenient to our sin nature. That's when we can know that we're actually serving. See, the life of Jesus pointed to service. The life of Jesus showed a heart of service. And Jesus washed feet because he wants us to wash feet. Jesus washed feet because he wanted us to see that we could be cleansed, that we could be made new in him. Jesus washed feet so that we could see that out of his love and service for us, we can serve others. And his greatest act of service was giving his life on the cross. His sacrifice paid the price for our sins so that we could rest in a relationship with God, so that we could know a relationship with God, so that we could know his love. Jesus washed feet for the imagery, and yet he washed feet to point forward to his greatest act of service, giving his life. And he's calling us to die to ourselves in the same way that these small acts of service make us die to ourselves in the moment. I want to read Philippians chapter 2, because I love the imagery of 
these verses. This is verses 1 through 11. It says this. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. I grew up in a church, in our family of churches, that practiced washing feet. And I have memories as a young boy when I'd given my life to Jesus and, and I got to celebrate communion with my church family of going into this room. They would have a, a room where men wash feet and a room where women would wash feet. And, and so I remember going in there for the first time and I was all excited and I was like, I'm a Christian, let's do this, right? And it was exciting. And then I got in there and this is, uh, this is really judgmental. I'm just going to tell you what I, what I thought as like an eight or nine year old. I looked around the room and I was from a church that was pretty old. And I looked around that room and I thought, those toenails don't look like my toenails. <laughs> and I wasn't laughing like you. I was kind of like, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to touch these guy's feet. And, and here's, here's my honest first memory, is that I was, I was worried about having to, to be involved with this. And, and you know what happened? These older guys who probably weren't able to kneel down easily, most of them were veterans and their bodies were falling apart and failing on them. And, and they, they knelt down and they poured water like you saw. And they washed the feet of, a, of an arrogant kid who maybe they knew, maybe they didn't, was thinking in his head, your feet are disgusting. I'm not touching your feet. And, and yet they got down on their knees and served me. And I, I look at myself like Peter, I, I, I was trying to grasp this. I was trying to catch the imagery. I'd had it explained to me. I knew what I was supposed to watch, but I love that Jesus is saying like, listen, you don't get it now, but you're going to get it. You're going you're gonna to connect the dots. You're going to understand what happens. And I, I think back over the course of my life and people that have served me and times they've served me and that pointed to Jesus. It showed the sacrifice of Jesus. It showed the selflessness of Jesus. I look at this passage. It says that Jesus gave up equality. He, he lowered himself. He wasn't seeking equality. He gave up privilege. He gave up position. He humbled himself. And ultimately, he died. And so when we want to point to his sacrifice, when we want to point to his life, we are offered and we're invited a chance to serve others. And we get to die to ourselves in those moments, Jesus invites us to serve others. There's a, a phrase that I've always heard 
says that Jesus exchanged a crown for an apron. Jesus, being in very nature God, is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He sits enthroned in heaven wearing a crown, and we can see those pictures all throughout Scripture. When Jesus came to earth, he gave that up. He took off that crown, and he said, all right, let's, let's tie up the apron, and let's, let's get to work. Let's serve people. I'm, I'm here to serve. He didn't do that because you and I are awesome. He didn't do that because we understood it. He didn't do that because we're grateful. He didn't do that because we're like, yes, Jesus is serving us. Thank you so much, Jesus. Most of the time we're like, eh, I kind of deserve that. Jesus is lucky to have me on his team. Very rarely do we understand what he did for us. But Jesus modeled service. He patterned that with his life. And he's calling us and inviting us to serve others to point to his sacrifice and his service on the cross. So how can we serve others? How can we do this? We're talking about what it looks like to live lives that are radical, that are hospitable, that make people ask questions, that offer us opportunities to share our faith. Here's how you can serve. You can serve through proximity. You can put yourself around people. We see that in the life of Jesus, right? He was around people. He was interacting with people. He was sharing life with people. He was close and in situations with people where he had moments to serve them. Not just that, but he served personally. Jesus met people where they are, right? He was at their job. He was in their homes. He was maybe there when people were sick. He was there when they were suffering. He was around town. He was in places where he got to be personally with people and he talked to them and he was available. We can serve people with proximity. We can serve them personally. We can serve them powerfully. Right, Because we need to understand that the power of God is in us. Jesus showed the power of God in his life and his ministry. And in John 14, he said, whoever believes in me will do even greater things than I've done. We can lean on the power of God. We can trust the power of God. We can know that the power of God is using simple acts, simple things that we might not think are a big deal. Maybe people connect the dots in those moments. Maybe they connect the dots later, but we can trust and we can know that Jesus is going to use our service. Jesus is going to use those things powerfully in the life of others as they connect the dots. So there's really just two two questions I want us to to think about and and answer today. The first one is, is this. Have you acknowledged the sacrificial way Jesus served you and your need for him? Maybe, maybe you've known that you weren't perfect. Maybe you've known that your life wasn't perfect or that something was incomplete. Maybe you never knew until now that Jesus loved you enough to come and give his life on the cross to pay the price for your sins so that you could have life, so that you could know him and be made complete in him. Have you ever trusted in his service and trusted in his sacrifice? Not just in a way that says like, yeah, that happened, but in a way that says, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want to build the foundation of my life on you. I want to follow you and I want to echo your life. If you would want to build the foundation of your life on Jesus today, we would love to talk to you. And for the first time you're hearing how much Jesus served you and what he gave for you. And you'd say, I want to know more about that. I want to know more about what it means to have a relationship with him, to be made whole in him. We would love to talk to you today. I'll talk about that in a second. For those who would say, yeah, I, I know that Jesus gave his life for me. I know that he came to serve me. I, I know what he's 
doing. I, I get it. I would just ask this. Have you accepted his invitation to live a life of serving others? Have you accepted this invitation that he extends us to live a life that serves others? Because it's dark in here, but if we look around the room, my guess is there's some young moms that are a little tired from their life of serving others. And there's people in this room who don't like their job and are sick of serving others. And there's marriages in this room that feel tension because they don't like serving others. We don't serve because it's natural. We don't serve because it's convenient. We serve because Jesus came to serve us and Jesus gave his life for us. And that's our example. The savior of the world took off his crown, put on an apron and washed our feet. And he invites us to echo that service, to reflect that service with our lives. In the lives of our kids, in the lives of our coworkers, in the lives of our neighbors, in the lives of our families, we get to echo the service of Jesus. What a privilege it is to echo the life of Jesus. Jesus invites us to serve others. Let me pray. God, thank you for sending Jesus to this world. Thank you for the example of Jesus. Thank thank you for all the things that you show us in this passage. And, And God, we want to be leaders. We want to be people who reflect the attitude of Jesus. Lord, we want to be focused on others. We want to be focused on them seeing you. And so God, we just ask that you will help us have an awareness of people, have an awareness of what's going on in their lives. Lord, help us to have an awareness of what you're doing and how we can serve them, when we can serve them. God, I know that some of us are tired from serving, Lord. Some of our serving is in the church. Some of it's with people in the church. Some of it's with our families. Lord, we get exhausted because we constantly think about ourselves and we look at ourselves and we're aware of ourselves. Lord, help us to look to you, to look to your example, to look to your selflessness and help us to die to ourselves. God, we pray that the small moments that we serve each other, the way we serve people, the big moments where we serve each other and serve people will point to you and point to your sacrifice. So God, we just pray that you'll use those moments to help us share your love, share your story, to point others to your example on the cross, to share our faith and see people come to follow you. God, it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.